Hello, I'm Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor. And I'm Carson Vasquez, I'm a private pilot. And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial. So buckle up, because the Aviation Mentors are taking off. Welcome back, everybody, to another amazing and awesome episode of the Aviation Mentors Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss a really crucial issue that is actually really contested in the aviation industry. And that issue is... Should we change the mandatory retirement age for airline pilots? That's what it is. I know all of you are so happy that I was able to pull that one off. Just took like four extra clicks because I wasn't ready for it myself, but it worked. I think I heard us lose a listener right there just from that sound effect, Brandon. I'm sure I'm sure we did. Maybe three or four. It's very possible. Uh, anyway, so going into the topic, can you give us uh, a little bit of an overview of kind of what we're doing currently in commercial aviation, where the current age requirements and the age restriction for the pilots in commercial aviation. Yeah, absolutely. So for ATP pilots or airline transport pilots, also known as the ones that are flying for the airlines, right? Um, They must retire at the age of 65. This applies to part 121 operations, which is airline operations, right? However, there's no upper age limit for pilots flying under Part 91, which is general aviation, or under Part 135, which is charter. So if I hit up my friend and say, hey, I want to go fly somewhere, let's go split cost or whatever, you can be any age you want to do that. Or if you want to rent an airplane, like a chartered airplane, you can have anybody you want there as well. So it doesn't matter as long as you can pass that medical? Correct. Yeah. As long as you can pass a medical exam. Well, there's a caveat to that too, Carson. So if you have basic med... So as long as you can either pass basic med or you can pass a first, second, or third class medical, age does not matter unless you're flying for an airline. Now, there's caveats to everything, right? So like I said, 135, which is charter operations. Well, also, there's some other operations. I I can't remember what it is, but like JetSuite X, JSX, they fly under that. I think it's, I don't know, like part 110 or or something. Maybe we'll try to look it up right now and find out what that is. But they look like an airline, but they're limited to like less than, I think, 30 seats. And I don't believe there's a mandatory retirement age for them. Although some companies still have a mandatory retirement age, regardless of what the rules are. But as of today, the rules are 65 years old for an airline. There's a lot of people that want to change it to 67. You can see why, because you have really experienced pilots who probably aren't done really flying yet and they want to fly a couple more years, well, they're getting forced out of a job at this point. So it's really a difficult decision to get into. Do you want younger, less experienced pilots or do you want older, more experienced pilots? Now, the older you are, the more susceptible you are to health issues, right? But if we have that medical and with an airline pilot that's 65 years old, they're getting a new medical every six months. So that's pretty regularly. I don't know if we extended it out a little bit later. Would we want them to get it every month or every three months? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of contention there and a lot of questions. And as of today, it's not changing and it's still going to be 65 years old. Well, historically, the age restrictions are pretty much established because of those concerns about the health and the cognitive performance as the pilot's age. And the mandatory retirement used to be 60, but 2007 has increased to 65. And that's kind of in response to the changing understanding of how we age and how our brains age. And there's just a big need for experienced pilots in the industry. So we have had this need before. It's not brand new. It's been a recurring issue. There's ups and downs in how many pilots we have. So there has been that precedence for a change in the mandatory retirement age. I don't think this is going to be a a problem that's solved very easily because obviously they changed it for five additional years, right? That just basically told the entire airline population that 
we're going to give you five extra years if you want to continue flying. And that still didn't solve the pilot shortage problem. You would think that five years of ramping up new pilots would solve that issue. Guess what? We got into a really bad position in 2016, 17, 18, and then 19, then 20 happened with forced retirements, like less than 60 years old with a lot of the airlines. I mean, it really didn't fix the issue. So if we change it to 67 or even 70 or heck, even later than that, which I don't, I'm not advocating for whatsoever, would that solve the issue or would it just short term solve the issue? The, the, the thing is, it would probably only short term solve the issue. And how do we fix the long term issue? We fix it by using companies like Stratus Financial and allowing additional pilots to have additional funding. The problem is in this industry, there's no government funding like there is for regular collegiate programs, right? So if you want to go be a political science degree or a liberal arts degree or something, you can get free or cheap money for that. To become a pilot, you can't get that. It's not easy. There's no funding available. So really that's what we're trying to solve here. We're not trying to solve is age an issue, right? We're trying to solve how do we get people access to becoming pilots? And do we just solve that in the interim by extending a couple years like they did before? They extended five and it might have fixed the problem a little bit, but sure as heck didn't finish it long term. Especially when COVID happened. I had a buddy that was an air traffic controller and he said, hey, we're getting I just retired. So you're not you're not 60, you're not 65, uh, whatever the, the age is for ATC to retire. And he said, no, but they offered me a a really nice package (laughs) to retire early. And every airline was doing that too. They just said, let's, let's get rid of the older pilots and we'll keep the younger ones because they have more time with us. And it's just kind of crazy because you just lost, you know, a huge portion of your flight instructors, your line check pilots. And now what are you going to replace them with? So that was a huge problem. It's a big problem. I know there's quite a few of these retired guys, though, that are actually teaching. They're going back to flight instruction. I mean, they're teaching at different places. They're teaching They're teaching for 121 operators and simulators. They're doing all sorts of things. I actually don't know the answer if you can be over 65 and teach on a simulator. That's a good question to figure out, Carson. If anybody knows that answer, please send it to us because uh, we didn't. I didn't research that. I didn't realize it would come up on the show today. I should have, but I didn't. So if anybody knows the answer to that before we can kind of release an answer, maybe on social media or something, please let us know. I'm very curious, but I know there's a lot of people that have retired or left other jobs to go work with simulators because they don't have to travel as much and they still make decent money. Well, age can be associated just to kind of fully go back to what we were talking about, but age can be associated with like different health risk and especially cognitive decline, which kind of happens to me, happens to Carson every once in a while, especially Carson, of course, cognitive decline. Thanks. In my my old age. It's really getting to me. You're old, early 20s. Yeah, very old. (laughs) It doesn't necessarily correlate with a pilot's capability or performance, at least not right away. I mean, cognitive decline happens, but it normally happens over a long period of time. And you can kind of see the signs that are happening. And I think if we allowed pilots to talk about this more and talk about mental health issues more, things like that, then I think that we would have a more positive outlook on where we're going as a pilot. But the problem is the rules are so stringent that pilots are really afraid to speak out. They're really afraid to talk about if their health is declining because then they're going to lose their job, right? And I think in the back of people's mind, they feel like, well, there's a second pilot here if something happens to me. And if I can still pass a medical, it doesn't matter how I feel. But that shouldn't be the way that we think. And I don't have a solution for this. Obviously, nobody does. Otherwise, we would have one by now. But the FAA needs to come up with a solution. There's a lot of really smart people out there that can come up with a solution for this. I think that long-term, 
we will get one because ongoing training, regular medical evaluations, they're all indicative of a pilot's ability to perform safely. And we need to just maybe test more as you get older. Well, I think it just comes down to we need something different, some sort of different restructuring with the way that our medical system works. There's so many rules on getting an aviation medical that it, it makes someone afraid to speak up. And that there's been a lot of memes about that. <laughs> if you go on Instagram and, and TikTok and Twitter, whatever, there is all over all the aviation pages have have memes about you know people talking to their AMEs because it's just you're afraid you might say the wrong thing, even if it's not what you're talking about. Exactly. And by the way, Carson, it's not called Twitter anymore. It's called X. You're right. X. Okay. Didn't you see it? There's a giant X in the middle of Northern California in uh, San Francisco. See, that's how much I like San Francisco. I forget its name. You love San Francisco. <laughs> I'm not going to get into we, that. We, we try to avoid it. Anyway. <laughs> I'll stay in Southern California. It's a whole another state up there. Well, you know, there, there's just, there's a lot to being a pilot and there's a lot to being an older pilot and having that ability to freely speak to your AME about, you know, you're getting older and, and what's changing. That's just something that I think pilots need to have the freedom to talk to them about. So with the mandatory age requirements and uh, the mandatory age retirement requirement, there's kind of a big impact on the aviation industry, uh, especially after COVID when now we're trying to rebuild, you know, those 60, 65 year old pilots since so many of them left. So how does that mandatory retirement age kind of affect things with the global pilot shortage? Well, it affects a whole lot of things. I mean, a lot of pilots in, in 2020, like you said, forcibly retired. That means we left a whole gap of pilots at that age range from, I don't know, anywhere from 55 to 65, but more of them were on like the 60 to 65 side that got forcibly retired. Basically, everybody who made a lot of money they wanted to get rid of. Would that make sense, right? You want to cut down cost if you see airline travel decline by like 95% overnight, which is unheard of. So they had to cut their budgets massive. And 55 to 65, they're making fantastic money. Several hundred thousand dollars minimum. Yeah, a lot of money. So we wanted to get rid of those pilots. They made so much money. And that's when all the younger pilots would actually get stepped up and get captain upgrades, or they would take pilots that like less experienced in life, for example. Before COVID, if you wanted to go to a major airline, you had to have a degree. I mean, it was a no-brainer. You must have a degree if you want to go to a major airline. If you want to go to a regional airline, maybe several years ago, it was like Compass. Now it's companies like GoJet. Those are the companies you can go and apply, and you'd make a lot less money, but you didn't have to have a degree. And they were a stepping stone to getting to a major airline, right? Same thing with like Envoy, things like that. They're, they're feeders for airlines. Well, nowadays, you don't necessarily have to do that. I mean, I know some people who get their hours and you can almost almost go direct entry into a, a, a major airline. I know that Southwest Destination 225 program, I know that that is probably as close as you can get to a direct entry into an airline, by the way. So everybody who never heard of it, I suggest you go look at it. It's called uh, Destination 225 or D225 program. Uh, it's a fantastic program put on by Southwest Airlines. And I'm a real big fan of theirs and the programs they put on. But on the other hand, it creates opportunities for younger pilots to move up the ranks and to kind of get started in a any airline job a lot quicker, right? Before, you wouldn't be able to get a job until you had, I don't know, 2,000, 2,500, 3,000 hours. You'd have to be a flight instructor quite a while. Now, people are getting hired at like 1250 with the promise that you will have 1,500 hours of your class date for you to go 
do CRJ training or, or whatever you're going to be doing, right? So it's pretty amazing on what's happening now, but it's also causing bottlenecks, right? It's causing bottlenecks in training. It's causing bottlenecks in uh, flight instructors. And the one that no one ever even thinks about it happening, it's causing bottlenecks in uh, captains. Me and Gustavo, we went over to the Latino Pilots Association. I don't know. I guess it was about a month ago now. Their big expo in uh, Florida. And we met with the president and CEO of GoJet Airlines, and he was telling us how it's impossible to get captains right now at a regional. It's really, really difficult. It doesn't matter how much you pay them because the major airlines are gobbling up everybody and everybody wants to go to a major airline. So it's really hard to get these pilots and to get them to stay there. So we're getting unintended consequences, just like everything. I mean, anytime there's an action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, right? Well, same thing happens when you're dealing with staffing pilots. There's going to be bottlenecks all over the place. And changing the retirement age, like we've been talking about, I don't think, personally, will fix the problem long term. It's just not going to happen. Well, a lot of people seem to think that fixing that retirement age and, and upping it is going to be helpful and is going to be something that does at least have some sort of impact on our pilot shortage. And I know you're pretty familiar with the whole issue. So you know what kind of arguments people that are advocating for a reevaluation or kind of relaxing these age limits, what kind of argument they're making? Yeah, absolutely. So they're saying that there's advancements in healthcare, which allow individuals to remain healthy and active for a lot longer. Okay, I get that. That makes that makes sense, right? People are being active and living a lot longer than they used to, uh, but not a lot longer. I mean, I think the average age of people who pass away is still the early 70s. There's a global pilot shortage, which can be alleviated by uh, retaining experienced pilots for longer. No, it can't be alleviated for all the reasons that I explained earlier. I mean, it'll it'll fix the problem short term, but just like anything else, like when they pump money during COVID, they caused issues that would get solved immediately, right? But long term, look at how bad inflation is and why interest rates are so high right now, right? So that's happened because of cause and effect. So if we raise this age, there's still going to be the same cause and effect. It's going to fix the problem short term, but it does not fix it long term. And uh, everybody's focused on now, 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 me, me, me. Uh, we're in the age of social media where everything needs to be instant gratification. And Unfortunately, that also happens with our politicians. It's instant gratification and instant gratification so I can get re-elected in two or four years. It doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Green Party, it doesn't matter. Everybody has their own agenda, right? And I don't advocate for any of those, by the way. So this is a very non-political place. We just like airplanes here. We just like airplanes, exactly. Do they do they burn fuel and they go fast? The faster, the better, right? Like, can I get a ride in SR-71, please? That would be a dream, by the way, Carson. I want to go fly SR-71. I don't even know if any fly still. We just need to make enough money to buy one. That's, that's <laughs> going to be the easiest way for you and me to do that. Yeah, and I don't know if they sell them. I don't think they do. <laughs> enough money? They? And would we have to wear a space suit? Like you, you don't want to know who they is. That's I know. I know. <laughs> it's way too expensive to buy it from them. And the last thing. The belief regular, oh, see me, me and my cracky voice as soon as I start laughing. Ha ha. Yeah, you're hitting puberty. Yeah, exactly. Hitting puberty and uh, oh, approaching 40. It's pretty funny. By the way, everybody, I am 35. So I'm kind of right in the middle of the age gap. So not like Carson, where he actually just did go through puberty like three years ago, probably. <laughs> yeah, it went really well. Thank you. Oh, yeah, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> So the last thing is the belief uh, that regular pilot evaluations and performance checks are more indicative of pilots' ability than age alone. Now, this part I kind of agree with, and that's because 
maybe over 65, maybe you do a every other month evaluation or something like that. But I feel like the airlines would need kind of a somebody on staff, a doctor on staff to, to take care of that or something. But every six months, I don't think is enough when you're talking about over 65 personally. Yeah, I was about to say, it's it's already after 40, it's, it's every six months for the airlines, right? Yeah, for a first class medical, it's every six months after 40. So, I mean, you're already doing it fairly often, but over 65, maybe a little more often, in my opinion. I don't know. Yeah, I understand it. These age restrictions were to change. What would those implications be for both airlines and flight training schools and flight training academies? So say these these arguments did make enough sense to someone and they did up these requirements. How would we actually see those? A change can mean retaining experienced pilots for longer, potentially reducing training and recruitment costs, which is kind of at an all-time high right now. That's that's a big one. However, it might also slow down the port mobility of younger pilots. Uh, which might be a little necessary at the moment, to be honest. We we really do need more flight instructors kind of across the board. I mean, you see it in the job post and the and the Facebook boards all the time. You see that that students just they can't get instructors or they can't get airplanes, things like that. It's it's difficult. That can impact for flight schools, it a relaxation in the age requirements may reduce the immediate demand for new pilots. Um, because obviously the airlines are keeping their pilots for two years longer. But there's still going to be a lot of people that don't want to stay two more years. They still have had 65 on their mind for a long time and they want to retire. So I don't think it'll solve the problem long term. I think it'll it'll solve some problems, just not a lot. But if age restrictions were tightened, there might be increased demand for new pilots leading to new business for flight schools. I mean, it's a catch-22. I mean, through this whole conversation we've had over the last 15 minutes or 20 minutes or so. I think we've kind of outlined exactly what what can change on each side. But no matter what, I really don't think it would solve the problem, changing the age. I mean, honestly, it doesn't seem like it would, would solve anything. It makes sense. I think that we're, we're focusing on the wrong end of the spectrum with this issue to try and solve it. I think age limitation is really going to solve it. I think it starts you know, at the bottom of the, or top of the funnel, uh, not the bottom. So having more pilots in the first place rather than keeping them longer is kind of the way to go. So, you know, the people that are helping with the top of the funnel, that's going to be people like Stratus Financial. So, Brand, how is Stratus helping to combat this pilot shortage? Yeah, like I was talking about earlier, uh, Stratus is really helping by by funding new pilots. I mean, before them, there was very few people in this industry, especially, and actually, there's no one else onboarding flight schools right now that are Part 61. Uh, besides Stratus. They're the only one that's onboarding brand new Part 61 flight schools. And I know a press release just went out a week or two ago. They had 150 schools. I think today they're at almost 170 um, just in the past couple of weeks. Uh, so they're growing exponentially. Uh, and that means helping more and more students. I mean, that's what we want to do. The more students we help, the more pilots we can create and we can really solve this pilot shortage problem together. So everybody listening to this, go become a pilot. If you're not working on it right now, now is the time. We're not going to hear about pilot shortages forever. Uh, This is a five to 10 year issue. That's going to be a problem that gets solved within that amount of time. It's going to get solved because there's going to be a lot more people that want to fly or the unions are going to say, okay, fine, for some flights, we can have single pilot operations. And by the way, I don't think the airline unions are going to want to do that anytime soon, but I think they will get their arm twisted if we don't have enough pilots available. So 
let's have more and more pilots and let's go ahead and, and try to get people trained up and then the rest of it will solve itself. I mean, airlines will purchase more simulators to train their, their pilots. They'll get people done. It just takes more and more time. So all of these, these bottlenecks in the funnel will get fixed, but it all starts with, we need more pilots. So I think that's kind of the biggest thing. We just got to make more pilots. I agree. Uh, we do need more pilots. And now is seriously the time to become a pilot. They're, the pay isn't crazy. The time that you're flying, it's awesome. You're going to be moved up real quick from regional to major. And I think it's really fun. Uh, who doesn't love flying an airplane? I mean, if you really enjoy it, then go do it. It's, it's the time to do it. And like Brand said, this problem is not going to happen forever. And it will be solved. So take advantage of the problem while it's a problem for you. And, um, you know, funding has always been a huge blocker for a lot of pilots. Uh, I worked at a flight school. I saw it all the time. People would run out of money and couldn't keep flying. So with someone like Stras Financial there to help you get over that hurdle, I think now's the time to become a pilot. Have to agree 100%. Just everybody go become a pilot. <laughs> um, it's besides, uh, besides the fact that you can make a lot of money, it is fun. That's why we do it, right? I was going to go fly my tailwheel today uh, when I was in Riverside earlier today. And uh, it was so windy. And I was like, oh, should I go Should I go practice my wheel landings a little bit today? But it was really gusty and Santa Ana winds were picking up. So I decided against it. This, there was no reason for me to go do it. I didn't have a student or anything like that. So I decided against flying today just because of how windy it was at Riverside and flying with super strong winds. I mean, it was gusting like In a 25 or something earlier. In a Cessna 120 that, yeah, it's a little underpowered, um, has a cruise prop on it, not a climb prop. There's a bunch of reasons I shouldn't fly it today, so I decided not to, but it is fun. It's a blast. Uh, I can't wait to go pick up my Icon from the Icon uh, Service Center. I dropped it off, what, over a month ago now, and they keep on emailing me, oh, I found this, oh, I found this, oh, I found this. Uh, so I'm getting, I can't wait to uh, to get pick that up and, and have some fun flying again, because I haven't flown in a couple weeks now. Long story short, everybody, go become a pilot. It's fun. It's achievable. It's possible. And like like always, if you'd like to reach out to either Carson or I, you can reach out to uh, Carson at Carson at AviationMentors.com, or you can reach out to me, Brandon at AviationMentors.com. And thank you so much for listening today. And as a wrap up for the day, remember, here to guide your aviation journey. So fly safe and enjoy the ride. See ya.